0: Hello. I spent much of this week hiking through Native Prairie in the middle of the Missouri Coteau, a 100-kilometer-wide section of the province that runs on a diagonal roughly from Outlook to Bengough. It covers about 6 million acres in Saskatchewan, with another 11 million extending into the Dakotas. The Missouri Coteau is a, it's a glacial moraine, you can think of a moraine as an accumulation of debris, such as rocks and dirt that a glacier has left behind. This means the Coteau is rockier and hillier than many other parts of Saskatchewan, and these small hills help create thousands of small wetlands, often called potholes. Waterfowl use these potholes in such high densities that the Coteau has been referred to as North America's duck factory. And it's not just important for ducks. Other species at risk can be found here as well, such as the piping plover. The Missouri Coteau in Saskatchewan alone holds as much as 12% of the global population of piping plovers. While walking through the Coteau, nearly every pothole had multiple duck hens with a train of ducklings scrambling behind. Most ducks had already hatched their eggs, but I did find one lesser scop nest had ten eggs in it. Gadwalls, mallards, and blue-winged teals were abundant, and many were midway through their molt. Most birds molt a single wing feather at a time and never lose the ability to fly. Waterfowl, on the other hand, lose all of their wing feathers at once, and for a couple weeks midsummer, they're incapable of flight. This typically coincides with when they have a brood of flightless ducklings. Since the mother stays with them on the water anyways, why not just drop all your feathers at once and get the molt over with? It isn't just wing feathers that are molted either. All the body feathers are replaced. And on males, they molt into a plumage that closely resembles the dull brown plumage of a female, making identification a challenge. The overall size and shape of the duck becomes far more important than subtle differences in color or patterning. During this molt period, it can seem like all the males have disappeared from the prairies. Because they have. Not only do they resemble females, but most abandon their mate while she's incubating and migrate north to the boreal forest. Once there, the males have access to greater concentrations of food, they require as many as 31,000 aquatic invertebrates over the course of their molt. After they've completed their molt, they migrate south to their wintering grounds. If you get the chance, take a drive through the Coteau. The hills southwest of Avonlea are a superb example of this landform, and the views are stunning. It's a part of Saskatchewan that few people ever have a reason to go to, but one that, in my opinion everybody should find an excuse to go to let's get started You're listening to the Prairie Naturalist, Saskatchewan's Nature Radio Show here on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio. I am your host, Gabriel Foley. This week, Shane Valley joins me on the show. Shane graduated with a degree in environmental biology from the University of Regina and has a collection of shed deer antlers that occupies space in his garage that some might call unreasonable, but he calls not nearly enough. Shane is an enthusiastic collector of these dropped antlers, and I'll chat with him about the antlers' significance to him and how he goes about finding them. But first, last week on the program, Katie Anderson, store naturalist at Erie Wildbirds Unlimited, joined me. Katie has also been a regular face at the annual Biggest Week in American Birding, a birding festival in northern Ohio, where she's been leading bird tours for several years. I talked with her about the biggest week, how festivals contribute to birding culture and conservation, and what some of her favorite festival experiences have been. If you missed the show, you can find a link to the episode on the Prairie Naturalist Facebook page or on Twitter at the PR Naturalist. The Prairie Naturalist can be heard on the radio at 91.3 FM in Regina, on the web at cjtr.ca, on Access Television Channel 700, on Saxtel Max, Channel 806, and on your smartphone if you download the CJTR app. The Prairie Naturalist is also rebroadcast on Sundays at 7.30 in the evening and on Wednesdays at 12.30 during the lunch hour. And it is now time for the nature list. There is something called the Zoo Society Story Time that happens every Friday over the summer at Saskatoon's Alice Turner Library. Tomorrow, if you go from 10.30 to 11, you can listen to a story and meet an animal up close with a Saskatoon Zoo Society interpreter. There's going to be a trip on Saturday, July 27th from 9.15 till 3 in the afternoon to look at shorebirds outside of Saskatoon. This will be with the Saskatoon Nature Society. And Stan Shattuck and Andrew Elgin are the leaders. You'll be going to the Blucher and Bradwell areas. And the leaders both have spotting scopes, so you'll be able to see the shorebirds quite well. You should bring a lunch. And you can meet in the parking lot in front of Wild Birds Unlimited at 8th and Emerson Street in Saskatoon. On July 28th, the next day, from 7 till 8.30 in the evening, you can once again join Stan Shattuck for a walk through the Wynuskawin Heritage Park in Saskatoon. There is a, a fee for this. It's $20 per person. On Monday, July 29th, from 2 till 4, find out what animals are out at night during drop-in story time at Prince Albert's John M. Culinary Library. To see what else is happening around the province for nature and environmental events, check out ecofriendly.sask.ca. Are plentiful in Saskatchewan and if you spend much time walking through their habitat you'll eventually find an antler that has fallen off of a buck over the winter each year bucks shed their antlers and begin growing new ones in the spring searching for these shed antlers is an activity that some folks find utterly enthralling Shane Valley a graduate from the University of Regina's environmental biology program is one of those folks and he joins me here in the in the studio to discuss shed hunting. Welcome to the Prairie Naturalist, Shane. Thanks, Gabe. Shane, tell me, what first drew you to shed hunting?
1: Uh, well, I spent a lot of time out in the country with my dad and my brothers. And just from us walking here and there and going through, like you said, deer habitat, I would find deer antlers on the ground and... At that age, I wasn't too interested in collecting. It was more so just finding them was uh, enjoyable enough. But the more I found, the more I found to be uh, unique. More, sorry, more that I found to be unique, and that really drew me to start to collect them. Because with deer antlers, there's never two that are exactly the same. They could come off the same deer, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a match you're going to have small differences or large differences so with collecting them you've always got a number of variety um... i've got i don't even know how many i have now It's probably well over a hundred and uh... they're all different in their own way you've got some that are large some that are small some that have abnormal points coming off of them um, some that are what we call typical, where they grow just one point off of the main beam in a sequence, or there 's atypical where they have what we call stickers, just points coming off of random spots on the antlers, and those ones are actually quite exciting to find because they usually don 't grow those type of antlers, so if you do find one it 's quite a feat. And just over the years, the more I've found, the more excited I get every time I find one. So, yeah, they've uh,
0: they've taken up a lot of space in my garage. So the same deer, uh, it grows antlers one year, and then it's two years old now. Does it grow the exact same like pattern of antlers that it did before? Or they're different the second and third and fourth year and so on?
1: Uh, typically, they will grow the same pattern unless something happens to the deer uh... if a deer is injured at some point typically on the opposite side of the injury on the deer they'll start to grow some abnormal points some deer though will actually for whatever reason we don't really know can grow um, different kinds of antlers one year they might have um, a bladed antler it's kind of flat and the next year it might just turn into a solid point or Hmm. it might grow an extra point off of and off that and fork and uh, I'm not really too sure what causes that or why they do that usually it's I mean nutrition plays a big factor in the size of the antler that they grow but as for why they grow the antlers the way they do aside from injuries really not too sure
0: when's the best time to get out and and look for sheds
1: Uh, it all depends what you're looking for if you're going for white deer i would say any time after december is probably a good time to start looking Um, mule deer they're usually larger and they drop theirs beginning of april and elk will be usually beginning april as well and moose will fall sometime in that early spring so it really depends what you're going to look for if you want to Just get out and maximize your opportunity. I would suggest going out in early April once the snow has melted, there isn't any leaves on the trees yet, so the ground's barren and it's easy to find them. But if you're looking for a species in particular, um, best chance to find some is to go out and actually watch the deer before they drop their antlers Mm. and observe them. And once you no longer see them holding their antlers... Then you'll know it's time to go
0: out there and start looking. <laughs> right. How can you tell that uh that you're looking at a buck with no antlers as opposed to just a doe?
1: Well usually they'll have a oh I shoot I forget the term for it, but on their head where their antlers grow, there will be a bald patch on either side if they've dropped their antlers and a doe will have an entirely or head entirely covered in hair. So it's usually fairly obvious. You have to get relatively closer. If you have your binoculars or spotting scope, that'll help quite a bit. If you can see a spot on either side of their head, just above their ears and behind their eyes, that looks barren, you'll know that there was a buck that was
0: once holding antlers that have now fallen off. And do you need a permit or anything to, to have these these sheds? Sheds you don't need a permit for.
1: If you were lucky enough to stumble across an animal, well, in this case, an Unfortunate animal who didn't make it. In your case, you're lucky for finding it. But if you find an animal with a skull, you do have to go and get a permit from the Ministry of Environment. However, if you're just picking up sheds, you can pick up as many as you would like.
0: Hmm. Really? Uh, can you sell them at all? or
1: There are shed buyers who actually will come around and they will purchase sheds from you. Um, they purchase different... Uh, grades of sheds so you've got ones that are old they'll be as they call them chalk they're basically Hmm. sun sun bleached and brittle and they will go for less than one that was freshly fallen that year you can also sell them to people who might want them for decorations or for dog chews so for sure you can definitely go ahead and sell them
0: what happens to antlers that fall off and no one finds them they just lay there on the prairie
1: so they do get bleached over time. The weather has an effect on them. When they drop, they'll usually be a nice brown color. And as the months go on, the sun will beat down on them and actually turn them gray and then white. And the longer that they're out there in the elements, the more brittle they'll become. They'll get uh, really chalky, as they say, and start to break down. Hmm. Um, yeah, they'll basically. I found one that it looked. Very similar to just a stick. All the points have been broken off. They will get chewed onto by small rodents. Rabbits and mice will chew on the tips of them. Coyotes will sometimes chew on them to get the marrow in the middle. But most often than not, they'll just
0: become brittle and break down over time. Can you ever find, like, both, like a pair of antlers? Both of the, like, the set from a buck? And if you can, how do you know that you found the pair? That's a good question.
1: Um, Yes, you most definitely can. Uh, I would advise if you do go shed hunting and you find an antler, stop where you're at instead of just walking in a line and actually start scouring, looking in a circle. Um, Go out, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 yards and scour for that matching set. Hmm. Typically, when an animal sheds its antler, Usually it feels very uncomfortable because it has lost weight on one side of his head hmm. and it's still holding on the other. So it'll try and knock that other one off. I've come across numerous pairs of sheds just by finding one and then scanning the area and looking for the opposite one. And more often than not, if you find a pair, you'll know they're a pair because they do look very similar. However, I have found some that don't look like they would be a pair because one was... Extremely abnormal, where the other one would be a typical antler. But you have a fairly good idea that they are a set because there will be some, some things about it that are quite similar. For instance, the base of the antler will be the same thickness. Right. Uh, typically, they're the same color. And if you find them close to each other, that's usually a good indication that they're a pair.
0: Can you tell how old a deer is just based on the sheds? Or do you need more information?
1: Uh, You would get an idea of how old a deer is based on the sheds, just usually based on the thickness of the shed. Uh, The size itself will more so um, be related to the nutrition of the deer, how Mm. healthy the deer is, if they're stressed. But the thickness itself is usually indicative of a deer. As they age, they always grow in thickness. However, once they reach about six and a half, they hit their peak, and their antlers will actually start to shrink.
0: I find it just, like, mind-blowing that deer, every year, they drop their antlers, and then in the space of, like, four or five months, they they grow a new set. And, like, these antlers, especially on something like a mule deer or an elk or a moose, they're huge. That's so, so many nutrients that need to get pulled up to be able to... I mean, it's bone, right? It... They're just growing these giant chunks of bone out of their skull. It blows my mind.
1: Yeah, it's extremely fascinating. And that's one of the things that draws me to them is, like you said, um, a large animal, especially elk, uh, it's nothing for them to put on an inch a day. Wow. Because you get a large one that's going to have 400
0: inches of bone on its head. And they're growing it in, like, just a matter of months.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Wow. Wow. Do you have to do anything in particular to preserve the sheds? You're talking about them like getting chalky. Do you have to do anything to prevent that if you if you find them?
1: I personally don't. However, I keep mine in a relatively cool environment and out of the sun. If you're going to put them in the sun, I would put on some kind of a clear coat just to help protect them from breaking down.
0: Mm. What kind of like what kind of clear coat? Like just um like uh, um Epoxy or something? Or? I'd put maybe
1: a varnish on them. Varnish? They typically will soak up uh, whatever you put on them. Um, if you find old sheds, too, a trick is to actually, if you want, you find one that's gray and you want it to liven up, uh, if you want it to look more realistic, more what it was uh, when it was actually on the animal... A couple of tricks are you can put it in mud, and it'll actually absorb hmm. the color. No way. Or you can take a wood stain. Um, golden oak is usually a good one, and if you brush that over the antler, you can actually help rejuvenate it.
0: Do you know if there's any sort of difference between how antlers like age or weather or between antlers that just fall off and are dropped, and when a hunter shoots a deer and it takes back the antler still connected to the skull? Do you know if there's any difference between those two things or if it's pretty much the same. In the color or just how it ages or weathers? Uh, well, I mean
1: basically when it falls off, it's no longer attached to the animal and it depends on the environment that falls and if it if it falls somewhere shady, right. it's going to keep its color. It's not going to turn brittle just like if you were to harvest an animal and take it inside and keep it out of the sun then it's going to keep it's going to hold that color and it's not going to age um but if you were to take one and say put it in a window and uh, it doesn't matter if it's an animal that you've harvested or if it's say an antler that's been sitting out in the sun in a
0: field it's going to look the same way after the years so how many people are doing this in Saskatchewan like is it, are you the only guy out there collecting fallen antlers or is there like a whole community
1: Oh, there's definitely quite a few of us. (laughs) Um, There's, um, on Facebook, you see tons of guys who will post pictures or Instagram of antlers that they've found. It's become, lately it's become a big thing. Um, People are getting more and more into it. I think it's a big attraction because it's something that you can do with your family, you can do with Mm. your friends. Uh, I mean, you could take your dog out and train your dog to look for antlers. Sure. That's a goal of mine for later down the road. (laughs) But, um, yeah, people are definitely picking it up. There's quite a few out there now. When I was young, it was nothing to walk across some deer antlers where you're going through a field, and now it's actually you've got to know what you're looking for or sometimes you're lucky enough to find them. But typically there's someone out there who's already beat you to it.
0: (laughs) Uh, Are different species more desirable than other species? Would you prefer a mule deer over over a whitetail or...?
1: Um, I think it all depends which animal you're more fascinated with. Mm. I know a lot of people do prefer elk and moose down who live down south here because it's not something that we come across very often. Up in the north, mule deer might be their favorite because their habitat is more so down here in the prairies. Um, also, to I mean, elk, like you said, elk and moose, they grow very large antlers, which is usually very attractive to people. And it's also easier to find something that's massive right. in comparison to, say, a white-tailed deer. But I I don't know. I would say a lot of people like white-tailed deer. They're quite um, populated around here, and they're easy to find. So that's probably, if you could find some nice larger ones, I bet you that's the biggest attraction for sure.
0: Do you, You've you brought a couple of sheds with you here. They're pretty cool looking. Uh, li- like they're quite heavy. There's a lot of mass associated with them. Um, can you tell me about them? Uh, the one I found years and years ago,
1: I don't even recall exactly how I found it. It's very unique. It likely came off a deer that was injured. It's quite abnormal. It's like nothing I have ever come across since. Uh, it's probably one of my favorites simply because... It is so different from everything else that's out there it's not something that you would typically see a deer grow the other one i actually got when i went on a shed hunting trip with a buddy of mine down south and we had picked out a couple properties that we wanted to go to and so first thing you should do is go talk to landowner and just make sure that they're okay with you walking on their property and looking for sheds and as we approached the guy he probably knew right away what we were looking for, and he kind of just chuckled, and we mentioned that we were down there to look for sheds, and he said, "Yeah, I mean, by all means, go ahead, pick up as many as you want. And by the way, I happen to have a few that you guys could take with you." <laughs> and so, as he brought them out, he probably brought seven or eight out, and right away out of the group, we saw one that stuck out simply because of the mass and the size of it. We knew it came off of a very large deal, deer. Sorry, <clears throat> so. My buddy and I were both drooling over this instantly, and we thought the only fair way to uh, pick the sheds would be to flip a coin. And so, of course, I won the flip, so I got the first choice, and I picked up a shed, or, well, I was given a shed that many people wouldn't even find in a whole season of walking, and hmm. I really didn't have to go too far to get it. maybe walk two steps in order to get what is now
0: probably one of the biggest in my collection. So, when you're out looking for sheds, um, you you find a shed, do you always pick it up or do you ever just like, oh, wow, that's cool, snap a picture, keep on walking, leave it there?
1: Uh, No, typically I will pick up every single shed I come across. Uh, The smaller ones I do leave behind in case there's somebody else who comes behind me and wants to pick them up, but as I mentioned before um, I love how unique every single shed is and I do have quite a large pile in my (laughs) garage and you don't really get to see them very often so sometimes I will bring them down and lay them out just to look at them and just see the difference between them all and I have been fortunate enough to find some that have come off uh, the same deer over a number of years and then you get to look at Hmm. how they've actually grown and if they've grown the same type of antler, the same looking antler or if they have branched off and become growing some abnormal points. How do you know that it's the same deer? That
0: that's so cool.
1: Uh typically guys and myself included, we'll put out cameras actually in the spring and we will watch the deer grow their antlers grow their hmm. velvet and there's marks on the deer that you can use to identify which deer is which but even as far as the antlers grow there's usually something about them that stays the same throughout their entire life Um, they might have a certain shape to them or they might have that point that goes straight up but then branches off into another completely unique point that they carry with them but it just grows larger there's usually some kind of a characteristic that they'll keep with them throughout
0: their life That's awesome. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about this, Shane. You bet. Thank you for having me. I've been speaking with Shane Valley, a graduate of the University of Regina's Environmental Biology Program and an avid shed hunter. You are listening to The Prairie Naturalist on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio. I'm your host, Gabriel Foley. That brings us to the end of the show my thanks to shane valley for joining me on the show today if you have comments or questions about what you've heard or if you missed last week's show you can find more on facebook at the prairie naturalist or on twitter at the pr naturalist or at bird nerd foley and that's nerd with an i this has been the prairie naturalist on 91.3 fm cjtr regina community radio i'm your host gabriel foley thank you for listening